0: Um, now, let me get into um, some things. We're going to spend around 10 m- minutes, that's the goal, um, talking about some kind of in house conversation. Then, just a heads up on where we're headed, we're going to talk about some things together about where we are as a church plant and what that looks like for us and where our finances are and how that really plays into the life of our church and just want to kind of share some things um and then we're going to read the scripture well we're going to pray we're going to read the scripture then we're going to dive in to the sermon okay so just want to make sure that you kind of know right kind of check in along the way where we're headed so um again if you're new something that you should know is we don't shy away from the hard conversations or the potentially awkward conversations at all. Um, We don't think God really does ever in his word, and um, so we don't. And so we just kind of talk honestly. So I know that like finances can sometimes be like a taboo conversation and something you don't talk about, right? You don't talk about, what is it like, religion, politics, and I guess finances is probably the third in that. Well, we kind of talk about it all so um, because we think God really cares about everything. And um, with that too... um, we just want to update, right? We want to have some kind of in-house kind of family conversation on where we're at. And um, three things I'm going to cover right now, all right? So um, we're going to talk about, I want to thank you. I want to just give an update on kind of where we're at um, and kind of thank you. Those of you who have been giving in and, and that way, I want to thank you. Um, I want to cast some vision for, again, where we are, where we're headed. And then also, okay, don't tune out. At the end, there's some changes, especially to our finances and how we give specifically. There's some changes, so I want to kind of talk to you about that as well, okay? So that's where we're headed in this next little portion. As I said, first and foremost, thank you. Um, If you've given, if you've been a part of, um, if you've given financially in any way, um, know that you have been an integral part of what God's doing in downtown Tucson, okay? Some of you got to hear last week we had two teachers here that came up and shared and actually got em- um, um, emotional um, talking about the impact that we've had on this school. And some of you know we got to redo the teacher's lounge and do a whole bunch of other things. And a lot of that came from donations and and, 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 the, and, and, the, and, the, and our monthly budget really went into that. And so, again, just an update. Um, we're about one-third of the way financially to um, where we think we would need to be to be kind of on a not like exorbitant, crazy, you know, um, amounts or anything, if you see me drive up in a caddy or anything, um, <laughs> ask questions, um, but, uh, you know, just to be in a, in a really healthy place as a church in order to be a self-sustaining congregation, um, we're about one-third of the way to where our monthly giving needs to be for our, to kind of meet our budget in that way. So. You might be asking, well, what does that mean? Are we a church yet? What is this? Yes, okay, we are a church. We're a church plant. So now I'm going to cast a little bit of vision. We're a church plant, and we are a church, right? We baptize people. We have members. We're, we're seeing God work in us and through us. But um, we're on a trajectory that we, we don't stay as a church plant forever. That at some point, we kind of put on our big boy pants, if you will, and become a self-sustaining congregation. Well, what does that mean? What's a self-sustaining congregation? Well, um, our, our understanding of that is we kind of think of three selves, okay? So there are three selves. A self-sustaining congregation that kind of goes from church plant to, to congregation is yourself self-led, which means that you are led by local elders, okay? So again, as Redemption Church, we have an eldership team that oversees all of Redemption. I'm a part of that, and all the lead pastors of the, of the congregations are a part of that. And then, But, but that we would be primarily, um, through that, locally led, that we would have local eldership. And I can just share with you, we, we're really excited for when that day will come. And so that's the first um, thing, is it? we would be self-led. Then, with that, that, we would be self-propagating, and that means we're already kind of there in some ways, and that's that we have ongoing leadership development It's things that um, really someone could come in and go from not knowing the Lord to placing their faith in Jesus and then kind of maturing in their faith and, and growing um, uh, and into, an, into a role of leadership and influence. And so we do have some significant things going on there. Lastly, self-funded. That we would be self-funded. So right now, you might be asking, um, well, how do we do what we do then right now? Well, right now, um, we are funded as a church plant by a lot of other churches and individuals and different people that we know um, who have who are excited about what we're doing and who have given and give consistently and faithfully and generously to um, see this church planted. And so... Um, as I said, um, right now, we're, we're kind of growing and maturing in that, and, and our excitement will be one day when we get to thank all those people who have funded us and say, we're, we're now self-funded, you know, pray about how God can, can use your support elsewhere and, and some other things. And so, why do we want to do, why are we even talking about this? Why do we need to become self-funded, all these things? Well, first of all, it really is a discipleship issue, okay? Look, look, look at me again. Um... We're here to have the hard conversation. We call you to follow Jesus with your whole heart, with your whole life. And, and, and significantly um, connected to that, according to Jesus, is our finances, is what we do with our money. So Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll serve one and hate the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. He said, therefore, you cannot serve both God and money. And we believe that as a result of the fall of turning away from God's sin, um, we are prone to really loving our stuff, our money, and wrapping our identity and our life into that. So not just for what we're going to do as a church, but for our own individual hearts, our, our tithing, our giving, is connected to our love for Jesus. And, um, and so with that... But we're we're excited about it for for us, for what it does for us to give. Beyond that, um, what God will have us do is an impact in downtown Tucson. We want to be a church planting church. We've gotten to help support some other church plants kind of with a one-time gift, but we're excited to... Think about the day when we can kind of monthly support the planting of more churches throughout Tucson and America and Arizona and the world and, and, to, and to fund some things and to get to give more to Safford and be involved here, okay? So we have a vision for that. And um, with that, I, I'm calling you, asking you to invest. Again, for you, for your own discipleship for, and for how God might use it, okay? Like, you know when you kind of put some skin in the game, you care more. And so, really, that's why God has called us to invest and to tithe and to give, is, is we, 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 we care more about Him and His kingdom and what He's doing as we invest our resources. So, the last part of this part, I'm, you might be asking, well, how much? Like, well, what do I give? I don't know. What does that even mean? What does that even look like? I've heard, you know, tithe, and I've heard that might mean 10%. And I just want to be honest if you've never given or you don't give consistently, ten percent might like sink you. Okay, we're not in the business of like ruining f- families here. Okay, but that is there is biblical precedent for that. But 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 what I want to say to you when you ask the question, well, how much? Now I don't know. Okay, that's between you and the Lord. If you want some ideas or you want to talk through that, we'd love this to be an ongoing conversation. But start somewhere. I would just encourage you and call you to give generously faithfully consistently sacrificially and I brought this little thing up you may have seen it let's see who this is this is Cooper Um, we have four kids and our three older kids get an allowance and this is their little giving bank so what we did with them and we didn't come up with this idea but we gave them four quarters a week right for their allowance and so there is the bank the store and the church and so each week they would put one quarter in each of these and then they had one left to choose to put it wherever they wanted. And now they get more allowance and they, you know, so they kind of divvy it up differently. They, they started giving, what, 25% of their, of their income, like that's significant, right? I don't expect that they'll always give 25% of their income, likely. Um, but but they started. Like, they built in um, the habit of giving faithfully, generously, consistently, sacrificially, and, and they care. They love the church. They love what we're doing at Safford, and, and they're invested in that. And um, so I just say that as an example. It starts somewhere, and, and we're going to have some opportunities over the summer and different ways to, to talk about and learn how we can um, grow in our generosity as individuals and as the church. And so um lastly um okay, what do we do? What are the specific changes? So, first um if you have your cell phone with you, take it out. Um and you want to give in this way. So, you can act like you're doing. It. I'm not judging by the way. I'm not going to see who's not looking at their phone or anything like that. But the easiest way to sign up is this. You can simply text 77977 and there and then just all one word lowercase send um, the word Redemption Tucson to that number, 77977, and you will be sent a link that some other time then you can go back and set up. It'll take 10, 15 minutes or whatever to set it up. Um, Even if you've already been giving, you need to do this because we're changing how we give. Because right now, if you go on to give, you have to filter through like All eight congregations and all these different opportunities, and, and, you know, we don't want Tucson's money going to Tempe, okay? Um, Actually, truth be told, Redemption Tempe supports Redemption Tucson, so I guess they're doing something good there. But, um, but, but, but so, so do that sign up that way, or you can go um, online to our church website, tucson.redemptionaz.com and you can give, click on give and you can sign up that way. Um, and now again, lastly, if you've been giving consistently, you also need to stop your giving. If you signed up online, that is, you've been giving through what's called easy pay. Now we're transitioning to push pay because it's harder for me me to say Um, so we're, um, transitioning to that. And so, um, you need to stop giving toward easy tithe if you signed up online. So the easiest way to do that is this, okay? The easiest way is simply email this guy, Jason Raber at redemptionaz.com and just write something along the lines of, please cancel my giving to easy tithe. And since he's actually in Tempe, you can also say like, bear down or something (laughs) if you want, just to, just kind of jab at it. Um, or if you want to do it on your own, go to easytide.com slash redemption, and you can log in and kind of do it on your own. But the best ways is just to email Jason. Okay? Amen? That's, so there, there it is, right? We have the talk, right? Not the talk, but one of the big talks <laughs> together. Um, again, I just want to remind us, God invites us to invest in what he's doing, and we do it with joy as a church, as individuals, and so... Um, as we kind of transition, now I'm going to invite up my friend Alex Tobar. He's going to actually um, pray for us as a church, for our finances, as we kind of go from the kitty table to the adult table, if you will, and grow from church plant to self-sustained congregation. Um, Alex and his wife and his family really embrace living all of life for the Lord. They're generous. They're faithful. Um, they're just yeah, great friends. So Alex is going to pray for us in this way, and then he's going to read our scripture sure so
1: thanks all right well let's bow our heads and pray dear lord we just uh, thank you for this day Um, even just this beautiful weather that we get to live in um, Tucson Arizona I just pray um, as we look at our finances that we won't give out of obligation but that we will give out of um, our response to how you've loved us that our giving will be um, something that is joyful that we won't hold tight onto what you've given us, but recognize that everything that's been given to, given to us is from you. Um, we just pray that um, our church will be led to become self-funded so that not only can we um, bless others here in downtown Tucson, but that, that we can extend um, blessings out to the rest of Tucson, the rest of Arizona, and um, as Dave said, globally. Um, I pray that the transition, even from easy pay to, to push pay, will be smooth. That, um, that um, you will continue to, to lead us um, to become self-funded. And we, we lift these things up in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you guys would go ahead and please stand um, for the reading of God's Word. And just a reminder that this is God's Word, and so we, we stand in an act of awe and reverence. Only going to be reading four of the verses um, from today. It's Mark four nine through thirteen. And he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, "To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand." Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, "Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables?" This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
0: All right. Thank you, Alex. Um, well, hey, welcome to Redemption. My name's Dave. No, just kidding. Um, if you walk in late, you don't get that. But yeah, I was just up here. Um, long time no see. So go ahead and turn with me in, uh, to Mark chapter 4, as we've done each time. If you, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and I'll hold your hand up high, and somebody will get you one. And um, también si necesitas en español, tenemos. So if you prefer reading the Bible in Spanish... Um, I believe we have some more, so you can uh, hold your hand up and they will get you one in Spanish. And um, if you don't own a Bible, you do now. Okay, Keep this one. It's our gift to you. Put your name in it, underline stuff, ask questions. We want to make sure everybody has a Bible. So um, keep it. And um, especially today, because as um, Alex said, we're covering 34 verses today. It's a cruel joke. A guy with a speech impediment, talk up here forever, go through 34 verses it's crazy. Um but uh we're not gonna I'm not gonna read every verse, okay just so you know. We're gonna hit on some big points and we're gonna hunker down. So we're gonna read the first portion, then we're gonna spend the majority of our time in verses nine through thirteen and then we're gonna kind of quickly kind of hopscotch um through the next three sections after that just so you know kind of where we're headed today. So as we've said um we're actually entering into a new chapter chapter four so you can turn your neighbor as we've done every time say welcome to chapter four because uh, we keep we keep going um, chapter to chapter so as we're gonna we're kind of picking up momentum here okay so we're kind of picking up some speed and um, we're gonna as I said cover a big chunk today but let me let me just ask as we start here how have you liked mark don't necessarily answer out loud you don't have to some head nods are good but more and more importantly just thinking, to yourself, how have I felt walking away from my time in Mark, in the gospel according to Mark? How's it been? I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been uplifted. I'll admit, I love it when someone comes up and says, man, that, that hit me. That was, that was helpful. Or this point was encouraging. I, I, I love that. I'll admit, I maybe struggle a bit as do a lot of people with like people pleasing. I, I love it when people love what I'm saying. And so I could be tempted to want every sermon to be like, all right, I'm I feel good. I'm going out of here, you know, with a smile on my face and happy. And, um, and I could be tempted to do that or to give you, like, you know, 10 steps to this. And so you just feel like it's really practical. But but I can't do that week in and week out because that's not the main point. Right? Jesus' main point of this is who he is and what he's doing. That he is God the Son, that he is the authoritative king, and he's coming to usher in his perfect kingdom. And he's calling for people to follow him. And and so we've been challenged um, week in and week out to ask the question, who is Jesus and how do you respond to him? Well, Well, this week he'll say something in chapter four. He says, he who has ears to hear let him hear. Let him listen. So so I ask, have you been encouraged? Have you been built up? Have you been confused? Because the main point here, as we've seen, is that people have been resisting Jesus. Okay, We just came out of a huge conflict session where he'd say something, where early on, he's doing all these tricks, he's healing people, all these cool things are happening, and um, people are gathering, crowds are gathering. And as he continues to faithfully and, and very... Purposefully um, proclaim his message, people start to be a little, little bit confused, and they're like, "Wait, what?" and um, and they're confused, and then they push back and they resist, and there's there's conflict, and and then the point that Jesus wants to hammer home to us here is this: that if you're confused by what Jesus is saying, if if over time the more you hear the gospel, the good news of his lordship, his kingship, and and what he's doing, if you're Offended, or 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 apathetic, and you should be worried, because what we see is Jesus doesn't give us room to just sprinkle some Jesus on our lives. Okay, He doesn't give us room to just let let our lives be set up where Jesus just kind of slips in really nicely right here, as we said before, between like you know uh, Sunday afternoon brunch and Sunday morning like meet the meet the press or whatever you watch on Sunday morning like right we just think oh I'm just going to kind of slip some church in we see if we're if the gospel which simply means good news if if that's rightly presented then Jesus is rightly presented to us there's no happy medium either you're a true follower of his and you and, and you learn more and more and you submit more and more and you're challenged and you and you surrender your life to him or Um, Over time, you grow apathetic and offended, and you eventually decide, I don't really want this. But but the true gospel doesn't give us opportunity to just kind of slide in and just kind of easily accept him. And so I want to ask the question, I'm going to pray as Jesus asks the question, is do you have ears to hear? And that'll make more sense as we walk along. But are your ears perked? To hear the, the good news of Jesus, the message of the gospel. And then from there, are you compelled to follow? And to surrender as a true disciple, as a true follower? Or are your ears, uh, you know, earmuffed? Are you, are you blocking out? Are you offended? Are you apathetic? And over time, do you simply turn away? So I'm going to pray right now that God would give us ears to ear. Ears to hear I I believe that we need his intervention to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to rightly hear and understand. Okay, so let's pray and then we'll get into it. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to talk, um, even all we're ready, to talk about, um, Lord, where our hearts are and where our treasure is and where you are and where you fit into all that. Um, I don't pretend to know where everyone is in this room, Lord, where we need to hear from you, but I I know that um, in a lot of ways, American Christianity, kind of as we've gone, to be just a good, upstanding, moral person um, leaves us vulnerable to thinking that you will just kind of share your throne on our hearts, that you'll share your throne in our lives, that, that we get to kind of go to you as just a good, helpful resource rather than surrendering to you so lord as we um hear what it means to, uh, to to have ears to hear and to lean in and to seek to understand the otherwise crazy um uh re- reality of you and your kingdom and your lordship um i pray that you will soften our hearts that you will do the hard work of of preparing us to hear and receive and respond to your work and your kingship lord jesus we pray in your name amen Alright, so in verse, um, in the beginning here, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, I'm just going to kind of explain it, okay? Basically, you may have heard this before, but um, Jesus tells what's called a parable, and it's a, a, a parable is a story with a connected message to it, alright? And, and so he starts off and he tells a story, again, if you have your Bible, you can look along, but it's, it's the story of the sower who's sowing broadly, and what it means to sow, I'm from like inner city, I don't know the first thing about how to farm, but what I've read is is a sower would spread seed, would walk around and would just kind of throw seed. And in that time, a common way of farming, what they would do is they would gather seed and just kind of disperse it, just kind of throw it out. And then where it landed, the crops would grow up. That was a common way of agriculture in this day. And so people would just kind of throw seed out. And Jesus says, "Well, the sower sows the seed broadly, but some of the seed falls on rocky soil, and, um, and and so the seed just kind of bounces off and never takes root. Sometimes the seed falls on soil that's around um, rocks, and it might kind of you know sl- sl- slide in and kind of start to grow, but then over time it can't be sustained, and it." Dies out, and then other seed will fall along the path where there are thorns, and it might sprout up, but over time the thorns that are around it kind of grow and choke it out. And then other seeds fall on good soil, and the soil receives it, and and it and it it falls in and is nourished and grows, and then eventually produces fruit and is and is helpful, and, and and so and so Jesus just does this sometimes. He just kind of tells these stories. And a lot of people are like, what? Like that, that's cr- I don't get it, right? Like, we may, have, we may be somewhat familiar with these stories. We're like, oh, yeah, this, we think of it as making sense. But really, the main point in Jesus telling these kind of stories, these parables time and time again, is people are really confused. People are like, who's the crazy guy, right? We talked about that last week. Like, who brought, you know, Uncle Eddie, right, from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? And they're like, this guy's embarrassing us his, his own family thought that other people might think like you know like the old guy that just says whatever he wants I'll admit I can't wait to become that guy all right the old guy that just doesn't care kind of lets bodily functions happen and doesn't really apologize for it just kind of continues on doesn't care some of you guys might have a grandpa or a dad or someone like that and I'm excited for that day but I'm, fi- I'm learning, you have to earn that, okay? You can't just start doing it when you're like 35, just because I have some gray in my beard. I, like, you've got to earn that. So we might think of this, that's how some people maybe thought of Jesus. Like, he's just rambling, just saying stuff. Somebody asks him a question, and he just goes off on like an answer. Like, that reminds me of a farmer once, and the seed, and you know, well, that's the effect. People are confused, but of course, Jesus isn't just some crazy guy. He's not Uncle Eddie. He's not just an old man who's earned his respect and just talks. And he's no, he's he's the Lord. As we saw, as we've seen, he's God the Son, he's the King. And so finally, his own followers, his disciples, muster up the strength to ask him. Um, just pick up with me here in verse 9. Jesus said this: He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, that's that means. He who seeks to understand, let him understand. And his disciples, the people he just called to follow him, pick up in verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him, the twelve, asked him about the parables. So they're finally like, um, Jesus, you, you said that, that if we seek to understand, then we will understand. Um, well, we don't understand. Like, I don't get it. What are you talking about? What's the seed and the soils deal? What are you talking about? And then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. The secret of the kingdom of God is Jesus himself. These these people commune with Jesus. He's called them to himself. They they live with him. They spend time with him. So he's saying, you're near me. You're with me. You're my followers. So you get this. And then he goes on and says... But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What's Jesus talking about? What's he saying? He's saying this, okay, that these parables that he speaks in have two um, main points, okay, two purposes, and they're this. It's to further differentiate between true followers and false followers of Jesus. It's to further expose that you can't just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on your life. What it is, is it's to teach and reveal the truth of the kingdom. It's to reveal the truth of the gospel. What it means to give your life to Jesus and to surrender to him and to follow him in all of life. He, He tells these parables so that those who have ears to hear will lean in and say, wait, wait, wait. That doesn't really connect with the way we've been living to what we understand. Um, How? Help us understand more. And Jesus will teach more and will explain the secrets, the good news of his kingdom and what he's come to do. But to those who don't understand, it says they will become more and more confused. They'll be they'll be like, wait, what? I don't get it. You're talking about seed and and soils and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into our understanding of where you fit into my life, Jesus, right? Like, you're just a spiritual guru. You've come to kind of fit into our lives. You're going to do what we want you to do. You're going to, you know, fit into Sunday morning. And what you're talking about doesn't really jive. Um, And so I'm kind of confused. And the main point is that, yeah, the, the people who are, Trying to do anything other than follow Jesus um, are going to grow more and more frustrated. And in fact, um, judgment is going to grow. And that's why he says, he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. He says, so that those who are outside, those who have earmuffs on, those who don't want to hear the gospel, they will see but not perceive, they will hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Okay, the audience hearing this would be keenly aware. This is an Old Testament, okay, from, the, from God's word in Isaiah chapter 6, where, where God's talking about his judgment, and he's saying a day will come when people will hear, okay, the whole purpose is of life. And the Jewish people would have known this, is that God is God and he is forming a people to be his people. And that because of sin, we've turned our backs on him. We said, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And God has promised that he would not leave things that way, but that he would form a people and that he would bring them in. And what, what this is saying, Isaiah chapter 6, is, no, no, the day will come when my own people, whose whole purpose is to know me and follow me and hear my voice. And come running like a parent calling for their child. And the child comes running with joy. Well, one day will come, he says, when, when, when people will hear and not even understand. Will see but be like, wait, who are you? I, I don't get it. When they'll be confused. And this is a reminder that says, listen, if you're confused, if you're apathetic, if you're offended, if you're not hearing what I'm you know, throwing down... Um, you should be worried. Because that means you're not one of my followers. You're not one of my people. So again, I, I ask you to consider, does the message that Jesus is calling for all of life, he's calling for you to surrender all of who you are, is that offensive? Are you apathetic? Are you confused? Because that's a warning. And then even his own disciples are, are kind of lean in, and are like, I don't know. And then Jesus asked this question, he says, Do you not understand this parable? Again, that's kind of a warning, but also an invitation. It says, Listen, if you don't understand, lean in. Okay, seek to understand. Ask. And then he goes on and explains this parable. Okay? So it's almost like he says, Now let me explain how this works, and then he'll give four more, or he'll give three more parables. So he'll explain that one, and he'll give three more. But the main point of this, again, is listen, I'm proclaiming to you what it means to surrender your life to me. Are you offended, are you apathetic, or are you drawn in to understand? Okay, so he goes on and he explains, all right? I'm not going to again read all the way through this, but he explains what it means, what he said in those first verses. He explains the, the, the parable of the sower. First, who is the sower? First and foremost, the sower is Jesus. He, is, he, he gladly and willingly disperses his good news throughout the world, throughout everywhere. And then we'll see that his followers who come and follow him, and he talks about this more, are called to as well. Take up the seed. Take up the good news of the gospel, the good news of his work on the cross and what he will do and that and he will raise from the dead and that his, he is coming to make all things new. Spread that out. Spread the word. Throw it out in your life, in your proclamation, in your demonstration, and how you live so broadly. But then he goes on to explain, sometimes that seed will fall on soil that's hard. You know, that people will hear and will resist. He says, I don't want any of that. I don't want to follow you. That's, I reject that. Maybe we think of like an overt, outright atheist. Or someone who says, I don't want any of that. Keep it out. No Jesus here. Okay, that, that will happen. But but also, sometimes it will fall on, um, on soil that's maybe surrounded by some rocks or some thorns. And some people hear the message of Jesus. They hear Christianity, perhaps even some in this room, and think, that sounds good. That Jesus is a great means to an end. I want a good life. I want health, wealth, and prosperity. I want to have all my ducks in a row. I want to have a get out of hell free card that I can hold on to for when I die one day. That that Jesus sounds good. I'll take that. I'll receive that seed and kind of hold on to it. But the message is over time, rocks, trials, other opportunities will spring up. And as that seed is incompatible with the surrounding soil, If the heart is not prepared to receive the whole seed, the whole message of surrendering all of life to Jesus and taking His Lordship and surrendering to Him and following Him and embracing His kingdom, as time comes on, it will become evident that His kingdom is surrounded by soil that's actually offended. And no, 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 this is my kingdom. I don't want you to be Lord of my life. I want to be Lord of my life. And there becomes a conflict, and over time... That soil will win out, the rocks will win out, and that seed will die. Or, or fruit will spring up, you'll start to change, you'll see something start to come up, but then over time, the hardship of life, the reality that that seed is not welcome and that kind of soil will choke it out. And sadly, tragically, such people will walk away say, man... I, I, my, can I be honest, my, my conviction in a lot of ways is that in some cases the church is responsible for that. A lot of people said, you sold me a different bill of goods. You, you, you taught me, just pray this prayer real quick. It'll be so nice. Easy believism, easy Christianity. And over time, that my life wasn't ready for that. And it, it just, I couldn't handle it. There's a conflict of interest. I'm walking away from you and your church and this whole Jesus because I don't think it works. That's a harsh warning. So we need to consider, do we have ears to hear? Are we offended? We might think, oh, atheism, overt, anti-Jesus people, and, you know, good moral people who go to church and fit Jesus nicely into some slot in your life, those are dramatically different, we think. But according to this, no. In the end, it's the same. Either Jesus is received and he takes root. And all of life is now defined by him and his lordship. And fruit is born from that. Life is changed. Or it's not. And so, um, for those who don't have ears to hear, that message is, is, is offensive. But for those who do have ears to hear, they, they lean in and want to listen more. And the last truth from this, this one parable is the reality that we need outside intervention. Our hearts are naturally hardened, offended, rocky soil, thorns surrounding. We don't want to hear the good news of Jesus. We don't want to receive that seed. But thankfully, God is the the farmer, and he's tilling hearts. He's preparing soil to receive that seed, to be hospitable. I can tell you, and we'll learn more as we walk on. That's incredibly good news, reassuring for me. I don't feel the pressure to,
1: man,
0: I, gotta, I need to make this seed work, and I need to water it and plant it, and for all of us as the church. No, we, there's, the good news is that God himself is intervening and in stirring up hearts. And I'd ask you even now, is your heart being tilled to hear and understand and receive the good news of Jesus? Or are you offended? Or apathetic, And then Jesus goes on. It's like he says, okay, now that you understand how this works, you either understand the, the, the reality of my kingdom or you're offended and you're confused and you're like, what? He's like, now that you understand, let me give you some more parables, okay? But it, it, with the same main point. So we're going to walk through some of those. Okay, picking up with me in, uh, in verse 21, right? Yeah, in verse 21, Jesus goes on and says this. This is the second parable. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? That's not like, what? Again? What are you talking about? Lamps? Lights? I I don't get it. Well, elsewhere in Matthew, Jesus says the same thing. And he says this. He says, You are the light of the world. He says, a city that's on a hill gives light to everything around it. He said, you would be crazy. You don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but instead you put it on top of the lampstand, and from there it gives light to all who are in the house. Well, how does this fit in? He's saying, listen, people, if you're my followers, through your words and through your life, you're going to shed light wherever you are. And we think that's warm and fuzzy and nice. Oh, light's good. Light's good. Darkness is bad. But sometimes, light's really offensive, right? Like, I've shared with some of you, I played rugby here at the U of A, and I lived in different apartments full of a bunch of different guys, and sometimes you come in on Sunday morning and you flip on the light, and your roommates are offended. They want to stay in the dark. They don't want to be reminded of the what's around, them, what happened on Saturday night, and the, you know, the beer cans everywhere, and the throw up over here, and the just nastiness. And you're like, turn it out. I want to go back to sleep. I don't want to be reminded of what's around me. I don't want the light shown on my life. Well, well the good news here, but also the harsh reality is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're going to be shedding light. And some will be grateful. I, I, this makes sense. The good news of Jesus shining on my life, that's good. The light is shown and people are transformed. But for some, the light is going to be offensive. They're going to be mad. Don't shine that on here. I just want to keep that in the closet. I want to keep the light off. I want to sleep until 2 in the morning and hope I just wake up and it's all gone. I don't want to be reminded of this. And then Jesus goes on there and he explains again, it sounds crazy, so his followers have to ask more, and he explains. He says, "Pay attention, so um, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. But to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away." Well what he means here is, again, all coming back. do you have ears to hear? A heart to understand. Because if you do, you might be confused at first. Jesus, you're talking crazy talk. What's all this light business and soil business? But like his followers, you're like, Jesus, help me understand. And then over time, you have been given a measure of understanding. And he will help you understand more and more. Uh, um, one author and pastor, John Piper, talks about this. And he talks about an onion. I'll be I hate onions. I don't like onions, so I'm offended by this uh, illustration. But um, so if you know of something other than an onion that would work here, please come and let me know. But he says basically that the Christian life following Jesus is like an onion. You peel back a layer and it's and then and then it's exposed and the truth of Jesus, the good news of what it means to have your whole life defined by what he's done laying his life down on the cross and by his kingship and his lordship, it shines on that on that l- 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 layer and you're transformed. And then as time goes on through whatever, whatever way, the, that, that next layer is peeled back and the light of the gospel shines and, and you get more and more understanding. I've gotten to know some folks, even one, one guy here in our church, a good friend of mine who I, who I talked to, and he talks about like two years ago, he was not following Jesus, and in fact, he was walking the other direction and all kinds of crazy stuff. And he even jokes sometimes and kind of laughs like, man, if I saw myself you know, spending you know, Friday night this way or being excited about this kind of lifestyle, right? Like, I would have thought I was crazy. But, but things that I used to be offended by or I used to reject, I'm now excited about. And now and now and and so it's, it's been such a fun thing to see more and more understanding come, not only in my own life, but in, in all of our lives. To see the gospel continuing to make sense. But then that harsh warning is still there. That others, over time, if you don't understand now and you still have the earmuffs on, it's not going to give... Better. Okay, next week, there you go. How many pastors say it's going to be worse? If you're offended this week, it'll be worse next week. But that's the reality. Like if you don't get, if you're trying to fit Jesus in wherever you want him to fit, it's not going to work. And at times it's going to become more and more offensive. And then Jesus goes on and he tells another parable. And he says this, pick up with me in Verse 26. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and it rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Okay, the message here is that, again, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to live your life through your proclamation and your demonstration. How you live your life, sowing the seed of the gospel, you're sowing the good news of Jesus. And we say all of life is all for Jesus. So everything you're doing, you're proclaiming that message. You're sending out the seed of the gospel. But the incredibly good news here, good news for me, is to be reminded that he's ultimately in control. That we go to sleep, we wake up, and he's continuing to bring in the harvest. He's continuing to cause growth where he sees that growth needs to happen. He knows what seeds need to fall on what soils. He knows what hearts need to be killed through all different measures. Let me just say to you, all right, even in light of what we talked about earlier with our church finances and all that, um, the, the success rate of church plants is really low. I, I forget the exact number. What do they say? Half of all statistics are made up. All right, some of you maybe didn't even get that. But, um. Right? So I don't know the statistics, but most church plants don't succeed. And by God's grace, we've seen a lot of growth and a lot of really fun things happening here. But I can tell you, I sleep really well. Um, when crazy things happen, you may have not have seen it, but like, like 30 seconds before I was supposed to come up here, I saw that the batteries on the microphone went out and I don't fret too much. Thankfully, we had some batteries. If worse came to worse, I'd use that mic and I'd be even taller. So that'd be great. Would have worked out. But in the end, the message here for me and hopefully for you as you understand it, ultimately, in the end, Jesus is great. He is in control. He's bringing in his followers. He's calling. He's planting the seed. He's tilling the soil. He's watering. He's causing the growth. So, we're called to sow. We're called to plant this church. We're called to invest in Safford School, to engage our surrounding neighborhood, to to hopefully see all of Tucson hear and understand and respond to the good news of Jesus. But in the end, the message here is look to the farmer, look to the one who's in control. You can go to sleep. You can know that by his grace, he's chosen to use you, but he doesn't need you, he's in control. And then he goes on. Let's read one last parable. And I think this is kind of funny, picking up in verse 30. It's like, he's like, what else? What else can I say? What other crazy story can I tell that will be confusing to those who don't want to hear and will make more sense to those who are my followers? It's like he says that in verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. The message here is that the seed, the mustard seed, is the very smallest. Again, I don't know agriculture at all. But apparently the smallest seed of the seed that would be sown and thrown out is the mustard seed. You'd like grab huge handfuls and throw it out. But over time, that mustard seed grows. Again, you might not see it. You don't see how it's happening. But it grows and grows until at some point it actually covers. Like orchards, if ever you've seen an orchard, often orchards have um, a bunch of mustard seed under it. It's been sown out there and it grows. And it says it's big enough to host like birds of the air can come and, 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 and build nests where this tiny seed was. Well, the good news of Jesus is coming. Though there was a loud proclamation, the good news of God the Son. Right now, as we've seen, the crowds are building, but they're offended. His kingdom is coming slowly. But it's building momentum. And over time, you see that Jesus isn't worried. When he calls people and they're confused and they put earmuffs on and they run around. La, 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 I don't hear you. I don't want to follow you. Jesus is continuing to coolly and calmly and faithfully and purposefully build his kingdom. Right, it's like a tsunami. If you know how a tsunami happens, you've heard of some of these t- tragedies where like an earthquake happens somewhere in the ocean and, and it looks like a li- little blip, but over the momentum builds and builds into a massive wave or perhaps right where in Arizona we don't get ocean very well like an avalanche, right? Like little bit of snow, and then over time it's just building and building and growing. No, still not good. Avalanches. Well, Mount Lemon, we have snow, right? Phoenix, they don't have that. We get snow. Maybe not. Okay, last one. A Haboo, right? We all know what that is, right? Yes, Tucson. We rock that. I'm waiting for the mascot to come, right? There needs to be a mascot, a Haboo. If, if you're offended or you don't know what that means, I didn't know initially. It's a dust storm and the giant dust storms that whirl and twirl and build we actually drove through one on our way back from phoenix yesterday and it was crazy like how does that start right like the wind is coming this wind from here and it meets and i'm also not a meteorologist not a farmer not a meteorologist but as i understand it wind comes and blows and it picks up dust and grows and grows and at some point it's like a wall it looks massive Well, in that same way, the kingdom of God is coming in such a way that even though Jesus would come and lay his life down on the cross and and people would be like, What? Aren't you coming to build this massive kingdom you talked about? You're, You're about to die on a cross. And yet Jesus confidently, faithfully continues on knowing that his kingdom is coming in the way that he has determined that it will come by calling people to himself by sowing the seed broadly ultimately by laying down his life. And then it just says as we wrap up in verse 33 it basically the main point is reiterated. Jesus continues to share the good news that is captivating to some and offensive or just plain confusing to others. But Jesus continues to teach in this way Because He's building His kingdom, and He's calling His followers. So as we close, I just want to ask you, again, do you have ears to hear? Are are you offended? Does, Does something in you say, that's not fair, this message I just heard about the seed being, you know, going everywhere, but some soils don't receive it, and hearing about God and His sovereignty, that's offensive to me, I don't, that's not fair. Let me be honest, you know what's not fair? Is that we don't have to go to hell. If if we want fair, we get we get hell. Because we're told in the Old Testament in Isaiah again, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all chosen to turn away from God to go our own way. We've all chosen to build our own kingdoms to give God the proverbial middle finger and to say, "You're not king, I want to be king." We've all done that. We've all committed treason. We all deserve hell and judgment. But thank God he's not fair. He says in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Guys, that's not fair. That Old Testament passage from Isaiah 53, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, but on Him God has laid the iniquities of us all. That's not fair. Is the message of the gospel offensive to you? Or are you drawn in to listen more? Because if you're offended, you're not rightly understanding the how unfair the cross is. That though we have all offended God and sinned against him and deserve his judgment, he has chosen to lay your iniquity on his son, who deserves praise and worship. The creator of all things would take on himself the judgment that you and I deserve. That's not fair, but it's good. It's good news. It's the best news we could ever hear. So now as we respond, as we close, we simply um, let let, let us now consider, do I have ears to hear? Perhaps throughout this time, God has been tilling the soil of your heart. Perhaps you hear, but you're a little bit confused. I encourage you, that's good news. Lean in. Seek further understanding. God has given you ears to hear. Listen. Listen. If you've been offended, but now you're shaken from that, and you say, man, this gospel has been confusing to me. But but it seems like that seed is is still trying to take root. Respond. Respond in prayer. Respond in worship. Because ultimately, I want to ask, do you have ears to hear? If you do, seek to know more, more of His good news. Let all of life be defined by the person and work and lordship and authority of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I again thank you for the good news that we've heard today. It's a lot of it, a lot of good news. Lord, the good news that though your your message is initially offensive and confusing, Lord, that we can be apathetic toward it. Lord, that over time you are tilling the soil of our hearts. Lord, you're calling us to follow you. You're calling us to respond. The, the seed of your gospel is indeed taking root. Lord, thank you for the good news that though we're initially confused because of your grace and your patience, your undeserved favor, we can understand more and more and more. Lord, thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you for the good news that, Lord, that um, you don't see us though in a progression, that if we are in you, in Christ, if we put our faith in you, we can call you Father, or do you, you see us as sons and daughters? Or do you, 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 you patiently allow us to, to struggle and to learn and to grow over time? Or thank you for the good news that you are building this church, or that you are the head, or that you are the king, that you are responsible for the, the, the good of Tucson. And Lord, lastly, thank you that by your grace you've given us opportunity to be a part of it. You've called us. Lord, we get to sow the seed. We get to, to, to work and to struggle, but ultimately we rest in the good news that you are bringing in your kingdom, that you're in control. So Lord, now may we respond accordingly to your authority. We pray in Jesus' name.